Mason, glad to have you with us for our bowl season, bowl mania, megacast. Gentlemen, I asked this question out on the Twitter the other day, and I asked basically with the portal, with NIL, everything that goes on this time of season now that distracts from the football games actually being played, do you still watch these bowl games? Now, I, I think I know the answer to the question given we host a college football podcast, but I guess tell me with what intensity you watch these bowls. I for me it really depends on who's playing. You know, like some of these, it's definitely background noise while I'm wrapping Christmas presents or watching on the phone while I'm finishing up Christmas shopping or out at dinner or something like that. But man, there's no better TV program on a random Tuesday night in December than the Frisco Bowl, right? Like, there's no better TV program, like. That's the only thing that's going to be on the TV in my house. Of course, I'm watching it. And I'll say the ratings back me up on that because these bowl games, these third, fourth, fifth tier bowl games, absolutely slaughter anything else that's on TV at this time of year. Yeah, I'm willing to put 10 toes in the sand and defend my love of bowl season. I know everyone talks about how there's way too many bowl games and, you know, half of college football ends up playing in a bowl and everything's you know, just watered down and awful, but I'm sorry. I didn't realize you guys hated watching the sport so much, casual fans, okay? I, I love watching bowl games. It's so much fun. You get these random matchups that you would never see, that these matchups never get scheduled, right? Now, first one that's going to get played, Georgia Southern at Ohio, or versus Ohio in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. That that would never be a game that gets scheduled just randomly. That, that I, I don't know how many times that match has been played, but these types of matchups are the fun things to watch. I love watching it happen. I love watching it at the end of seasons and watching, you know, all these players, what they've accomplished, what they've gotten to at the end of the year, getting to play. The the one downer for it is really just the way that college football has evolved the last couple of years. It's disincentivized so many guys from actually playing in the game. And, and yeah, like the draft is always a part of that, but with the portal and with, you know, everything else that's going on at the NIL and everything, it's, I mean, I mean, it's it's a little disappointing that it's taken from it, but you're still getting college football. And oh yeah, by the way, if it was you know the middle of April and you were just sitting there and someone said, "Hey, do you want to watch you know Jacksonville State versus Louisiana?" You'd say, "Yeah, flip it on." Okay, so enjoy this last second of football. You know these last glorious weeks of football before we are in the dark, barren wasteland of no college football. You know for the eight months that we have to wait for it. I think what you just described is the USFL uh, that runs through <laughs> through April. April, if you need football season, um, well, we've had an option these last two years. I don't know if it's been good football. Well, but, I would uh, rather yeah. watch college football than the USFL. I don't know if that's a hot take, but you know that's that's my take. Hey, Dallas Cowboy fans are thankful for the USFL. Brandon Aubrey rising to 
to dominance yeah. uh, kicking. But well, and, uh, and DFW fans generally, you know, thankful for those alternate football leagues because it finally brought a championship in pro football to your city. So that's true. That's our true. First, first time in our lifetime. Um, all right, guys. Well, we've got a lot to get to. And, and essentially what this is going to be is a more complete bowl guide than maybe some other pods have given. I've, I've listened to some to kind of gauge. All right. What's what would be helpful to you as the college football fan? There's a lot of precursory uh, previews out there. And while this certainly isn't going to be a position by position breakdown, I think it's going to be a little bit more than just, hey, here's who's playing and here's who we like against the spread. Uh, one theme, Trey, as we wrote these that became very obvious is the number of transfer portal entries that a lot of these teams have it took I, I think we have like 14 pages of of written work uh which by the way this all of our prep will be available on the transfer portal cfb website this is going to be an article uh with a link to this breakdown so if you want as you go throughout the bowl season if you want to know okay hey if you're you know betting the game live whatever just enjoying it live you want to know who you should be favoring who's out who is in for these respective teams you can head on over to the Transfer Portal CFB website. You'll find that article, all of the links right there. Think of it as your HQ for bowl season. Uh, but, Trey, with all the portal entries, we're going to do our best to not complain about it. It is what right. it is. Uh, we're going to do our best to outline the facts and let you, the viewer at home, ultimately decide what to do with your hard-earned nuggies. And I'll add in, like, this might be a little bit of a longer episode, so if you know you want to take it piece by piece, listen to the games for this Saturday before Saturday, pause it, go get on with your life, you know, come back before the game on Tuesday. That's great. Like we welcome that. It'll be on YouTube as well. So we're here for whatever your schedule may need this holiday season. That's that's right. We, uh, we put in the long hours so you don't have to basically, uh, Garrett, if you want to queue up the graphic, you know, who else is putting in the long hours? That's a good brand home field apparel. They are doing a great job getting the orders out in time for the holiday season. I just got a couple of the Christmas presents I had ordered. Delivered right to my door. Of course, I used our link. You can use the code 3TECHPOD for 15% off your first order, or you can use that link that's over on our Twitter account, and it gets you uh, a discount, helps support the show as well. So uh, if you are looking for last-minute gifts, stocking stuffers even, or maybe the main gift that just uh you know we'll we'll make the day of your favorite college football fan head on over homefieldapparel.com use our code three tech pod for 15 percent off all right guys buckle in we've got a lot to do we've got i, I don't know this is a podcast and a limited amount of time to do it but we're going to try and be respectful of your time trey a lot of games starting on saturday december 16th year of our lord 2023 how about you lead us off with the myrtle beach bowl yeah we're kicking off uh, bowl season in style on the teal turf. Georgia Southern taking on Ohio. Georgia Southern at six and six on the year. Ohio at nine and three, but Georgia Southern's offense is probably taking into transfers into account maybe the best unit in this game. 30 points per game um, until their four game losing streak to end the season. Ohio has an elite defense, though. They have a lot of portal losses on the offensive side of the ball. Cordis Rourke, maybe the best QB in the G5. Wide receiver Miles Cross, top two running backs, a linebacker in the portal. There's a lot of guys that are missing for the Bobcats. 
So the squad's going to look a little bit different than it did in the regular season. So they're turning to a third string quarterback, um, active leader in both passing and rushing yards as we enter this uh, this game. So it's going to be fascinating to see just exactly how the Bobcats adapt to this. Because like we said, you know, a really successful season at nine and three, they lost a tough one to Miami, Ohio to keep them out of the MAC championship game. And Georgia Southern kind of slumped towards the end of the year. They started out hot. They had some good wins, um, you know, early in the season, beat Georgia State in a rivalry game. But down the stretch, they really faltered um, in that four-game losing streak. A couple teams we'll talk about tonight had a similar situation. Odds are favoring Georgia Southern. Guys, I'm personally still leaning towards Ohio in this one. I, I You know, before the losing streak, Georgia Southern looked like a really solid team in the Sun Belt. That Sun Belt East just beat each other up all season long. Every team in the division ended up bowl eligible. But I'm leaning Ohio in this one, not just against the spread. I actually like them outright. I think they have the coaching advantage in this one. I think they have the talent advantage on defense to kind of stifle that offense from Georgia Southern. A long time to prepare for this one. I'm even going to lay, and I'll kind of tease out how I'm going to do this, you know, confidence point-wise. Personally, I like to look at, you know, who's motivated to be here. Obviously, portal and opt-out situations matter a lot, but who's motivated and where can you steal a few points from the public? The public is really heavy on Georgia Southern. If you look on the ESPN Bowl championship websites, I like Ohio this one. I'm going to lay somewhere between 11 to 15 points on this one. So not all in on the Bobcats, but enough to give you a little bit of an edge. Trey, I hear you with Ohio's defense, and I was a big proponent of Ohio's defense early in the season, took them to beat Miami of Ohio. I picked them to win the MAC. Obviously, it didn't happen. Um, the issue for me is Curtis works in the portal. His backup is hurt. What do you know about Parker Navarro, uh, and is the only fact going to be that he is both their leading rusher and passer at this current time? Yeah, you know, we don't know a lot about the kid. Bowl season... <laughs> is where you can make a name for yourself though. And that's what, that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping Georgia Southern doesn't have a lot of tape on uh, tape on the guy, but they won't. Uh, I don't think anyone does. So we'll see. Yeah. The only thing I know about Parker Navarro is that Parker and Navarro are both names of community colleges around here. So that's, yeah. that's about all I know about In him. counties, Parker and Navarro County right next yeah, to each other. A couple of counties. I think that yeah. might be where those community colleges reside. Um, Guys, I'd, Curtis Rourke probably beats Georgia Southern, uh, but Curtis Rourke isn't playing this game. That uh, they're no Miami, Ohio. That Ohio team, you know, that's that's that MAC champion Miami, Ohio. Might I remind you? Uh, but no, it's 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 Georgia Southern for me on this one. It's a good offense. It's an offense that can play well. Give them a month off, you know, let let them or at least a couple weeks off. Let them refocus, regroup. They're, they're going to win this bowl game. I'm going to ride with uh, with Georgia Southern as well. That offense is still largely intact. Uh, Davis Brin throwing the ball through a lot of interceptions for sure. I think 18 touch, no, 22 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. So he turned the ball over a lot, but uh, 3,400 yards passing. I just Ohio's defense is is great and all, but the moment Georgia Southern scores anything, I wonder if the Bobcats can respond. So I'm going to roll with Georgia Southern as well. Trey, as you mentioned, will be. Uh, giving out confidence points uh, throughout the night, every single bowl game. So feel free if you're in a confidence pool, use that as a betting guide. Or if you're just picking them straight up, um, whoever you agree with, 
tr- trust your gut in this. There, there are no wrong answers in bowl season. I think we all found that out last year when we did a confidence pool. Um, I get murdered every single year just because nothing ever works the way that I think it does. Um, and, you know, who knows? Maybe that's the case this year. And there's a lot of, I'll add real quick, there's a lot of strategies for confidence pools. Some yes. people like to load up in the beginning, you know, to like get the matchups while you can before you hear about injuries or more opt-outs or anything like that. I don't lean that way. I just like, you know, kind of taking it as it comes and just ranking them as I go with my gut. So that's kind of what I'm going here. And I'm giving you a little bit of a range with all yeah. of these picks uh, to hopefully give you a range of where you where you, you can feel like what I'm feeling with this. If you are in a confidence bowl pick them. I have heard that if you are working the, the celebration bowl, which we're not going to preview, we, we didn't cover either of those teams, but if you are bet everything on Florida A&M because they're playing yes. Howard who is six and five. Yes. Florida A&M is 11 and one. That's all you need to do. They have some division one uh, FBS transfers that are, are running that Rattlers program. So I'll just throw that out there for the confidence pool folks. Yes. Uh, totally agree. Of, one of uh, my favorite bowl games each and every year, and I think it's because it starts the bowl season. Uh, typically, this is a night game. It's an afternoon game this year. Is the RNL Carriers Bowl uh, in New Orleans, Jacksonville State, three and a half point favorites against Louisiana. It's in Caesars Superdome. Jacksonville State went eight and four. Louisiana six and six. Jacksonville State made the move to FBS in in style this year, and they were a tremendous football team. The offense looked really solid. Their defense. Eh, wishy-washy, but it got stops when they needed it the most and uh, and, and ultimately ended up in an 8-4 and four record. A, a great first season under Rich Rod uh, for Jacksonville State and the Gamecocks. This is going to be an offensive shootout in this ballgame uh, between the Gamecocks and the Raging Cajuns. Louisiana was up and down. At one point, we thought like they had no chance in the Sun Bolt. Then all of a sudden, well, maybe they could win it outright, uh, ultimately finish at six and six this is a running game battle both teams are wanting to to run between the tackles neither team aired it out much this season trey i feel like in a scenario like this where most uh, variables tend to be equal you go with the team that you feel most confident in that has the better record that was the more complete team all throughout the season i'm gonna roll with the game cox myself I'm right there with you. I'm rolling with Jacksonville State. They just feel like the more cohesive team at this point. You know, Rich Rod has put together a really great team. They know what they're doing on offense. They know their identity, running the football, running a little bit of an option attack. We saw that from the very first week of the season when we were all on UTEP to kind of humble the Gamecocks a little bit. And then, you know, uh, Jacksonville State, excuse me, won that game and then just never really looked back from that point after week zero. So, I'm in really big on Jacksonville State in this one. I would put 33 to 35 confidence points on this one. Louisiana has just been too inconsistent for me. They run the ball well. Their their defense is you know solid above average, but you know five of their six losses were to teams that finished 500 or worse. They they have really struggled to consistently win, especially away from their home stadium this year. So I'm going to take Jacksonville State again, especially when you just have to pick this out right. It's a lot easier to lay a few more confidence points. Jacksonville State has just learned how to win over the sure. course of this year as well. So I'll, I'll again lay thirty-three to thirty-five points on them. Yeah, go uh, three for three on Jacksonville State on this one. Um, look, at, at end of the day, this feels like it could be a situation where 
you know, last team holding it ends up winning. I feel like there could be a whole lot of, you know, broken tackles, sloppy tackling, sloppy defensive play in this one with as much as both teams want to run the football. End of the day for me, Louisiana doesn't win close games. They, they just don't. And, you know, if you're asking me, is that just going to be a luck thing? Is that going to even itself out in the bowl game? Or is that probably a product of something they're doing wrong and something that's wrong with the mentality of the team? I'm going to go with the latter. I'm going to say that they don't pull it off in a close one again this year. Let's go to the Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl. Uh, strangely enough, not being played in Mexico. Can't imagine why that's not happening. Uh, Garrett, Miami of Ohio, your Red Hawks taking on Appalachian State. The Nears are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, this is also Saturday, December the 16th. Miami of Ohio went 11-2 and two and won the MAC. Appalachian State, 8-5, and five, a solid season, but it certainly felt like maybe they fell short of some expectations there in the Sun, Bowl, uh, in the Sun Belt, I should say. Certainly losing to Coastal Carolina did not feel good. Miami of Ohio is very similar to Ohio, where they have a very uh, g- good defense, not as elite as Ohio, but they're missing everybody in that quarterback room right now. Feels like Appalachian State, who is more cohesive on the offensive side, is favored for a reason. It, it sure does feel like they're favored for a reason. Uh, but I'm going to dance with the date that brought me here. I'm picking Miami, Ohio. Uh, look, you don't win your conference by accident. And this is what everybody said when Brett Gabbert went down middle of the season. Well, you know, Avion Smith, he's he's not the guy. He's not that good. He's not as talented. You're going to see some problems with the offense. And and. Granted, the offense doesn't work as well without Brett Gabbert, but Rashad Amos came in nine touchdowns in his last six games. Absolute threat on the ground. And this defense is a very, very good defense, not just for a power five or for a group of five team. Even compared to some power five defenses, it's a very good defensive unit. I think that they're going to stand up and, and shut things down uh, against Appalachian State. So I think that it's going to be a low scoring game. I know that App State's favored here. But I think that that championship mentality from those Miami Red Hawks, uh, I, I think it's going to pull them across the finish line here in the Cure Bowl. Uh, Trey, you, you're putting a lot of confidence points the other way going App State here. Tell me about Joey Aguilar and the App State offense. Well, they've really come alive down the stretch, right? Because App State started the year three and four really slow out of the gate. That included that Coastal Carolina loss that you talked about. But ever since, you know, that midseason, they rattled off five straight wins to reach the Sunbelt Championship game, spoiled James Madison's game day crowd, right? Like had that huge win. And the offense really took center stage on that stretch run. The defense is playing well, but the offense during that five-game winning streak averaged 40.4 points per game. Joey Aguilar, like you mentioned, Mitch, he set program records for passing yards, completions, and touchdown passes this year, 3,500 yards to the air, 33 touchdowns. And he can do it on the ground a little bit too. He can move the chains with his legs when he needs to. 321.4 yards of total offense on average during that five-game winning streak. So I personally, with all the losses for Miami, Ohio, I think the defense is definitely going to hold their own, right? Miami, Ohio, not just, like you said, Garrett, not just a good G5 defense, elite nationally, seventh in the country in points per game allowed at just over 16 per game. I just think the offense for the Mountaineers is going to be just a little bit too much. If the Mountaineers get up by, you know, seven to 10 points, I just struggle to see where the offense comes from Miami. 
I'm pretty confident in App State in this one. They struggled in the Sun Belt Championship game. They kind of ran into a buzzsaw with Troy, but I think they handled this one. I'm putting 21 to 24 points on Appalachian State. It will be interesting to see what offense the Red Hawks are able to muster because Troy uh, found points in places that we did not expect this season, right? We talked about the defense, 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 and then their offense certainly came alive. It showed us something, and that's why they ultimately won the Sun Belt Championship. I'm if Miami can run the ball, I'm going to look really silly, right? Like Troy ran sure. right down the middle on Appalachian State. I think their running back had five touchdowns in that game. So it, it could it could be a long day for the App State defense if they can't stop the run. Yeah, and to to that point, App State loses Nate Noel to the transfer portal as well. Uh, some of these guys are going to play in the bowl game, even though they're in the transfer portal. I haven't heard that with with Noel, but I guess that is technically a possibility. So weird. We're not going to dwell on that. <laughs> oh, I, I know it is. It is very, very strange. I, I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to go App State. I wouldn't. I don't know that I put 21 or plus confidence points on it, but I'm going to go uh, with the Nears as well. I don't even know, to be quite honest, how you say the sponsor of the New Mexico Bowl. Is it the Isleta New Mexico Isleta. Bowl? Isleta. Isleta. I don't know. New, I, well, let's go with that. We had a we had a referendum on the Gasparilla Bowl. Gasparilla. Earlier. We'll we'll talk Gasparilla. about that more in a minute. Uh, but New Mexico State staying home. They'll take on Fresno State uh, afternoon game on that Saturday on ESPN. New Mexico State ten and four uh, made it all the way to the conference championship game. It was a heck of a run for Jerry Kill. They ultimately lost uh, to Liberty. They'll take on a Fresno State team that is without Jeff Tedford, who had to step away due to some health concerns. Diego Pavia, uh, the polarizing quarterback for New Mexico State, uh, has some interesting off-the-field antics. He's a little bit banged up, hurt his uh, elbow, I believe, in the Conference USA Championship game, but sounds like he's on track to play. For me, if New Mexico State does have their starting quarterback, that offense was a whole lot of fun this year. I tend to lean points specifically when you have transfer portal injuries, it's late in the season, uh, and, and the defense may not be super cohesive. Fresno State, as I mentioned, missing their head man, and they also lost some critical playmakers on the defensive side. I'm going to take the Aggies. Give me Jerry Kill and the poncho to ride to 11-game uh, wins this season. If that happens, I will one day tell my grandkids about the year Jerry Kill led uh, New Mexico State to 11 wins with the homeless man's Johnny Manziel, Diego Pavia. <laughs> Listen, I if he's healthy, I think they win this game. Fresno State's really talented, but like you mentioned, Mitch, a lot of distractions with Tedford uh, being forced to step aside. Lots of portal losses as well. I like New Mexico State in this one. I'm going to hedge just a little bit, only bet about 10 to 13 confidence points just because of the uncertainty with Pavia. We saw the backup come in against Liberty, and he struggled to move the ball a little bit. Defense gives up points in bunches as well um, in situations like this. So we'll see. Um, I'm going to hedge a little bit, 10 to 13 points, but taking the Aggies. Yeah, Trey, I'm, I'm with you again. New Mexico State. That they're going to win this one, uh, and you know, Mitch, you said that Diego Pavia, some of his you know antics were off field. Well, some of his antics were kind of on field, like on an indoor practice facility field. But that's the technical. neither necessarily here nor there. Yeah, I just think too much off the field for Fresno right now. Uh, and when you look at bowl games like this, if there's a lot going on off the field, teams not focused, teams not coming into it. 
uh, ready to go. And and I still think that even if they were ready to go, I think New Mexico State's still probably a little better than them this year. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair. Hey, he did throw a pass this season with his helmet on backwards. Not many yes, other quarterbacks can say that. a touchdown pass, not just any pass. <laughs> he also uh, did things to his rival's logo, but, you know. Yeah, that he, that was uh, that was certainly <laughs> certainly a mistake, uh, no doubt about that. <laughs> Trey, tell me about the Starco Brands LA Bowl, which first of all, I've never heard of Starco Brands. Um, if I'm being quite honest, maybe that, that means their marketing's working, Mitch. That's a great investment. Now you're aware of that they exist. That or I'm too poor to know what yeah. they are. I, Mitch, I, I, how have you never heard of Starco Brands, who only invents consumer products with behavior-changing technologies that spark excitement in the everyday? If it's not truly new, if it doesn't change behaviors, and if it doesn't spark enjoyment, then we won't make it. Hmm. I hope it's under my Christmas tree, I guess. Um, UCLA and Boise State in this one. If you're just looking at these two teams, it would feel like Boise State is the easy favorite here, right? A conference champion. UCLA has all kinds of issues off the field. They're, they've got guys leaving for the portal as quickly as they can. Not necessarily the case, though. Yeah, and Boise State has a lot of issues of their own. They, of course, came in hot, fired their head coach, but still made the conference championship game and won the dang won. thing against UNLV. Not, it wasn't even close um, in UNLV's home stadium. So, you know, huge, huge close to the season for Boise State, but then they turn around and lose their starting quarterback, Taylor Green, who's off to Arkansas. His backup was lost to the, to the season for an injury, so they got true freshman C.J. Tiller, who's going to start this game against the Bruins. And, you know, when you think about UCLA this year, you think about one of the most intense defenses in the entire country, um, but, you know, they've lost a lot of playmakers uh, on both sides of the ball. Leatu Latu uh, is uh, deferring for the NFL draft. Um, Carson Steele might not play. Um, Ryan Gunderson is also still, you know, kind of up in the air. They lost their defensive coordinator to USC. So both of these teams are just kind of, you know, scraping to get what they can at this point. And so when it's that situation in a bowl game, you know, who knows what kind of mindset Boise State's going to be in? You know, Boise State loves to get up as a program. It's built into their DNA to get up for these big games, especially out on the West Coast. They love to knock off these Pac-12 teams. But when your leaders have you know left you, and you're kind of looking for you know who's going to step up and make the plays, it's really hard to see them overcome that talent hump. So I'm actually going to leave lean with the talent. I know a lot of the talent is sitting this one out or gone in the portal, but. UCLA still has enough talent to win this game. In my opinion, I'm going to take 19 to 22 confidence points on the Bruins. Ooh. I think they spoil Boise state's uh, bid to upset a PAC 12 team. Yeah, it's, it's, well, look, it's UCLA backups versus Boise backups. You know, there's no stars. Exactly. In this one. The teams look super different. It's, you know, and when you break it down, it really should be that UCLA's backups are the more highly recruited guys and the better players. And, should be more talented. So just, you know, out athlete, the guys over there for Boise state, um, the, the absence of tail and green will be the biggest factor in this game for either team. It, it's going to affect Boise the most to not have tail and green as opposed to anything else that, you know, could be happening. So even though Boise should be able to run the ball a little bit, uh, I still, I'm, I'm on UCLA for this one. And I'm pretty confident too, Trey. 
Interesting tidbit, though. The Mountain West has won this bowl game both times that it's been played. It's Mountain West versus Pac-12. It's kind of upper echelon, I think, champion of the Mountain West versus a lower-level Pac-12 team. Utah State and Fresno State have both knocked off a Pac-12 team in the first two years of this bowl. Good point. Uh, Ashton Jonte, Brennan Award winner from the transfer portal CFB, one of the best players in college football. He's back. Everyone thought he was transferring. He's back on the blue turf for another season. I don't know. Uh, I think uh, maybe a little history, uh, maybe the running game takes over. I know it's a third string quarterback. Ethan Garber should be the quarterback for UCLA. He's started a couple of games out there. He's been the way more consistent guy too. Dante was not ready for prime time this year. (laughs) No, he wasn't. Um, I I also did pick UCLA um, maybe closer than, what I would originally anticipate. If, if Boise can get any sort of balance and they can get any wrinkles going on in that offense, I think they could make it a long night for the UCLA Bruins. Uh, the one, nightcap- one quick before we actually move on from that, uh, the one thing to watch here, if you're looking on the graphic, this is hosted by Gronk, and that's just the only thing that I really wanted to point oh. out there. That this is a part of their logo. Uh, I was looking to see if there was a logo that it didn't say hosted by Gronk, and it does not. This is part of their official logo. Hosted by Gronk, the LA Bowl. Uh, is it going to be like when The Rock kicked off the Super Bowl last year? Oh, God, I hope so. the whole speech and horrible. I just hope so. There's nothing else I need than just Gronk running around with a microphone and being Heck like, "Yeah, yo, Sign you just sort of touched on what you want to say," and just you know, be, being like a Billy Eichner kind of guy, except at a bowl game. Sign me up, man. Oh yeah, uh, I may, I may defer uh to another bowl game if if it's gronk hosting it uh there, there isn't an alternate <laughs> feed i don't know it is a standalone game sir so <laughs> take uh, that <laughs> that's unfortunate hate, hate to hear that uh radiance technologies independence bowl the nightcap on this saturday cal and texas tech both teams uh inconsistent on one side of the ball for the majority of the season. For Cal, it was defense this year. They're a defensive team. When I wrote their preview, I was, again, all in on defense. It was very much the Rutgers model, that if they got anything out of their offense, hey, maybe they might be a decent team. In my mind, the ceiling was bowl eligibility. Well, they got there, but the defense was terrible. It was truly off the back of the offense outscoring some even worse Pac-12 opponents. Texas Tech Red Raiders, uh, listen, you guys have apologized um, for for the preseason predictions. They did not get to Jerry World to take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, Multiple offensive starters out of this game for the Red Raiders. Um, Cal is on a third-string quarterback as well. I, I wrote, take the offense that you're more confident in. Trey, which way are you leaning? I'm actually leaning Cal in this one because I am more confident in their offense at this point. I hate that. I listen, I love Texas tech. I love Joey Mack, but they burned me too many times this year to take (laughs) them in a bowl game against a competent Cal offense. Right. I I think that Cal's going to move the ball. They're going to run the ball. Well, Fernando Mendoza has stepped up really big. Uh, for them down the stretch this year, deliver them some big wins. They've won games they shouldn't have and stayed close in games they shouldn't have down the stretch because of their offensive play. So I'm going to take Cal. I'm not going to lay that many confidence points on it because I do believe that Joey Mack knows how to coach and he could definitely get his guys up for this game just like he did when they were kind of overmatched against Ole Miss last year. 
So uh, I'm going to take Cal, but only lay about seven to nine confidence points on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning the other way. I think if it's just based on the offense, I trust a little more. I just barely trust Tech's offense a little bit more. Um, I, I think they'll be able to figure some stuff out. Baron Morton, I think, will be able to play well. And, you know, I, I just like the coaching a little bit more. I think Joey Mack's still going to have things going. If this thing swings the complete other way and Tech gets blown out, I'm not shocked. So I'm just I'm putting it out there on the front end. If there, there was a seven to seven has a bad taste in my mouth, man. It's, I thought I picked him to not. I picked him to keep it close at least in that game. And fifty-seven to seven has a bad taste in my. Mouth. That is pretty fair. I mean, but you know, they might be trying to you know end on a positive note. And, oh, you know, for sure. To, yeah, for you know, sure. there might be some sort of you know motivation to not go into the off season and let that be the last thing that you remember. So. Yeah, I don't know. There's not a great feel for me on this one either way. Either offense could perform, and it just kind of depends on who decides to show up on that day. I'm going to pick Tech barely. Take Cal in this one. Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, Mendoza, third-string quarterback, but he he did pick up some wins down the stretch. Uh, Cal averaged about 34 points a game of their final three wins. They had to win all three of their uh, – or they had to win three games in a row to reach bowl eligibility. They were three and six. They got it done. Uh, beat Washington State um, in in that uh, in that mix as well. So I'm going to take Cal to win this one. We go to Monday, December 18th, and we've got the first ever famous Toastery Bowl between Western Kentucky and Old Dominion. The Monarchs, surprisingly, are two and a half point favorites. And guys, again, this is one of those games that I look at and I go, why? Why is Old Dominion favored? Their offense was horrific this season they've lost several transfers especially out wide western kentucky still has austin reed who threw for over 3,000 yards 31 touchdowns i kind of feel like this turns into a little bit of a shootout i'm on the other side saying hmm, how does old dominion keep up with the hilltoppers i'm i'm right there with you when i think of shootout i don't think that old dominion you know likes to play that style of game their offense has just been a mess for most of the year and i think like I keep forgetting that they made a bowl game to be honest, because I kept counting them out so early in the year, but they clawed their way back to six and six again, you know, part of that Sunbelt East that all made it to bowl eligibility by beating each other up. Western Kentucky had a really disappointing season. They yeah. seven and five in the conference USA is well below their standards that they've set as a program. But Austin Reed is a NFL caliber quarterback. He will be on an NFL roster relatively soon. And I think that he's enough to win this game. I'm going to take Western Kentucky, go against Vegas in this one, 18 to 21 confidence points. Mm -hmm. Yeah, three for three once again, guys. Uh, Western Kentucky does have a lot of guys in the portal, but I don't think that that really matters because I think it's just kind of a plug and play. And the offensive system is just better. And so I think that you're going to roll with the offensive system that works and roll with the quarterback who can still distribute Kind of doesn't matter who the guy is out wide. Not to disrespect Malachi Corley, it just it's kind of doesn't matter. It's a system based thing, um, and so while you prefer to have him out there, I still think they're going to put up plenty of points and, and kind of blow the doors off Old Dominion a little bit. It's it's interesting because the entire starting offensive line is in the portal right now, but some of those guys again are deciding whether or not they're going to play in that game. I will say right now. I checked over on the Action Network, which shout out to them, their bowl Super tracker, <laughs> linking and, and listing uh, guys who are in the portal, guys who are out due to injury. This was, I, I wrote this preview, I guess, yesterday. This is a new note. 
that apparently reports have started to surface that Austin Reed could miss the bowl game. His backup is in the portal. So then it would be redshirt freshman Turner Helton, uh, who has in checks notes, 21 snaps in his entire career that would take over. Um, I just want to put that in there. I'm still going to roll with Western Kentucky because those reports are not confirmed as of recording this, but you know, just uh, dispense your nuggies accordingly. If if that's the case, then this is about to be the ugliest dogfight you've ever seen. It'd be like two chihuahuas just nipping at each other. Lots of ferocity and not a whole lot of action. And so I think this this will be excellent. Have to watch, you know, TV during your work day if Western Kentucky is actually down to a redshirt freshman. I the over under the over under is still fifty four and a half, and Malachi Corley has not said he's not playing in the bowl but, games. But dude. with a with a redshirt freshman though, like that. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Is no no one has responded. Sure, yeah. Nothing's shifted based on these rumors yet. So. Yeah. Um, I, I feel good with Western Kentucky right now. Always do your homework during bowl season. Never oh, yeah. bet your hard-earned nuggies uh, without checking the action network or checking one of these sites that's tracking these things because you will get burned more often than not. Amen to that. Tuesday night, December 19th, the Scooters Coffee Frisco Bowl. Uh, Trey, UTSA has never won a bowl game in program history. They're taking on Marshall. 12 and a half point favorites right now. That's an eight o'clock kick in uh, Frisco, Texas on ESPN. Jeff Trailer's back. UTSA uh, gets one final ride with Frank Harris. Is there any reason not to go with UTSA? There's really not because Marshall is down bad right now. Not only did they go six and six, they are missing, quite frankly, their entire team on both sides of the ball between transfer portal injuries, opt-outs. It's just not a good situation for the thundering herd right now. So, you know, you mentioned that UTSA is trying to win their first ever bowl game. I bet a lot of confidence points on them last year and got burned by that when they lost to Troy in a really rain soaked, ugly, ugly game early in bowl season. But if they don't win this bowl game close to home, their fans will travel up to Frisco just like they did the last time they played in Frisco they don't win this one, guys. I, I don't know that they ever will win a poll game because it is set up on a tee for them in this one. I think Frank Harris is going to want to go out in style. It's his last college football game. He's going to want to put some more good tape on the uh, on film for those NFL scouts that will definitely be watching him. I think UTSA runs away with this one. They should run away with this one. I've got as many confidence points as I can on this one, somewhere in the 38 to 40 range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only case you can make for Marshall in this one is that somehow Jeff Trailer is still looking for a different head coaching job after being rejected by several other teams in the state of Texas. And, you know, he's just not preparing for this one. Even in that case, I still think UTSA wins this one with zero prep from the head coach. I, I think if they just get off the bus to start calling plays, they still probably beat Marshall. But with Oof. that being said, I think that he's staying, obviously, you know, he's reported to have been staying at this point and he's going to stick around. So good for you, DSA. Everything's moving in the right direction. Let's cap the season off with a bull win and, and, you know, ascend to a new height as a program. Finally put something in that trophy case. Guys, let's talk the geriatric special, the roofclaim.com Boca Raton bowl. We've got the temperatures <laughs> rising, cold blooded mammals rejoice uh, down in sunny Boca Raton it's the site of a matchup between two six and six programs, Syracuse and South Florida, 
who is bowling for the first time since 2018. Alex Golish is looking to turn that program around. They just recently stole a four-star recruit, a local kid, away from the Tennessee Volunteers. So everything coming up green and gold right now. Um, Garrett Schrader is likely healthy and ready to go for this game. I, I wrote in our preview that Syracuse has been the more complete team, I think, throughout the season. But it's they, they go off on these weird tangents where the play calling stinks, nothing makes sense. It, it felt like that was one of the big reasons why Dino Babers was ultimately let go. That being said, this is the, the bowl season equivalent of a pick Which way you lean in a pseudo home game for the Tampa natives or maybe the more complete team in Syracuse? Dude, this is in Boca, and it's a team from New York. This is a home game for Syracuse. I don't know what you're Kinda talking true. about. Um, Del Boca Vista stand up. But uh, I, I'm i going to go down with the ship with Garrett Schrader, man. I mm. I, I love that guy. I, I think USF's defense, yeah, it's probably going to sink with me. But USF's defense can't stop water from getting out of a bathtub, man. It's It's bad on that side of the ball. And I think Garrett Schrader is good enough to exploit that. Not laying, not betting the farm on him, but I'll put 12 to 15 confidence points on him. What what about the 131st ranked defense doesn't give you confidence, Trey? You know, there's 130 teams that I'd take (laughs) over USF. Yeah. What are you talking about? They shut Bama down for a little bit. They did. You're right. Uh, That says more about the guy that's going to play lacrosse than instead of playing college football than it does. It took a borderline monsoon for that to happen as well. So that was maybe a little bit crazy there. Yeah, I'm going to go down with the other ship that the Syracuse is bad ship. So I'm going to take USF in this one. Not a bad offense there. And I think a lot of momentum in, in a world of who wants to be here is I think that USF is excited for this one. They get up for this one, and I think that they pull this one off at the very end. I'm picking exclusively off of vibes, and I want South Florida to win this. So we're going to roll with the Bulls, baby. Syracuse Friday, is bad. Sim- Say that again? Syracuse is bad. Uh, they might be. <laughs> Friday, December 22nd, the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Gentlemen, Gasparilla. This, is, this is your Super Bowl here. Georgia. T- Actually, it's my Super Bowl. Georgia Tech. Central Florida. We're going to make it two picks in a row where we're picking exclusively off vibes. Uh, The Knights are four and a half point favorites in Tampa. Listen, I just tweeted out yesterday at 3TechPod on our X, on our Twitter account, whatever you want to call it nowadays. I put in the call. Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech would both make a bowl game this season. Guys, and went two for two on that. Garrett was riding shotgun in the rambling rack all the way to bowl season. Didn't matter that we lost to Bowling Green. That that was that was all part of the models. Didn't need uh, but, it. But we beat Miami. We got there. Uh, Haynes King was good enough to propel that Yellow Jackets offense forward. UCF can't stop anybody. I'm going to roll with Georgia Tech. Give me one final win. Take us into the postseason with all kinds of momentum. Let's defend the ATL. I need some WWE villain music for any time we talk about Georgia Tech because I'm going to take UCF Hater. once again. Hater. Once again, going to PP in the Cheerios of the Ramblin' Wreck. Uh, <laughs> but look, I've been wrong before. Haynes King has had a great turnaround season for his career. I just like UCF's offense a bit more in this game. I think there's going to be a ton of points scored. Would definitely bet the over. I'm going to take UCF to pull it out. 
just a little bit more experience in these type of games for UCF and Gus Malzahn. So I'll take UCF. Again, not laying a ton of points on it, though, 7 to 10 confidence points. Trey, there's a reason I'll let you go second. I know I'd have to bring up the vibes after you decided yep. to just Absolutely. take a dump all over him. That's just awful, man. Just Absolutely. ruining the vibes on the podcast tonight, man. No, um, yeah, going Georgia Tech on this one. And not just based on vibes. This is a Georgia Tech team that played a lot of really good teams pretty close this year. Ended up winning enough of them to go to a bowl game. They played Georgia pretty dang near close. And, you know, everyone's talking about that, you know, matchup and them you know, stomping all over Florida State in their bowl game. We'll talk about that one, obviously, at a future time. But, look, this is a very, very good Georgia Tech team that improved through the year. There were some stumbles. There were some problems early. But once they figured out what they wanted to do, this is, this is a pretty good team. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to rock with Georgia Tech. I think that UCF has too many inconsistencies. They have a good offense, but I just think too many inconsistencies, and they do have a tendency to disappear at times. So, Give me Georgia Tech in this one. Cap off a little bit of a storybook for Coach Key in his first year. Let it be known. The consensus on the podcast was that Georgia Tech has a winning record and has a bowl, uh, bowl season victory. That is the consensus. Saturday, December 23rd, the 76 Birmingham Bowl. Are we just putting random numbers in front of bowl games now? Is this the 76th option on your TV dial? Like, what, what are we doing here there's a there's another bowl game that has a number this will be on channel 76 it's a gas station isn't it well yeah what i don't understand i guess maybe 68 is a gas station as well there's the 68 ventures bowl coming up in just a little bit we'll we'll get to that in a minute this game 76 trombones or something uh yeah who who knows maybe maybe the the real joy is figuring out what the 76 actually means and whichever team does that gets the win. It's between Troy and Duke, an 11 a.m. kick in Birmingham. The Duke folks are just down bad right now. Uh, I see that Blue Devil Nation is rioting over Manny Diaz being the head coach. I actually kind of like the head coaching hire. Maybe that's a, a take for a different pod. Um, but Troy had John Summerall walk out the door and go to Tulane. It shocked everybody. Um, but still, this is a very complete Troy team Sunbelt champions a better offense than I think we expected this season very very good defense and Trey there's like nobody left on on the Duke the Duke side of things Riley Leonard has committed to Notre Dame they're watching guys enter the portal left and right unlike some of these group of five teams I don't think most of them intend on playing in the bowl game yeah and you know if this is a full strength Duke team we absolutely take the Blue Devils here in this one but Troy's just the more complete team with the teams that are going to show up in Birmingham. And, you know, off the top, I said, when you're picking these bowl games, a lot of times you got to look at who is more motivated to be there. And if you look at these two teams, is it going to be Troy who won their conference is having one of their best seasons of all time, even though they lost their coach, but you know, most of the core of that team is still together for this one. Or is it Duke who lost their coach, had a disappointing season, didn't live up to the aspirations, had a ton of injuries, lost their quarterback in the transfer portal? I keep going. It's obviously Troy that wants to be there in this one. Now, talent-wise, Duke might be a little bit more talented. So I'm not going to go all in on Troy to win this game. I don't, you know, weird things happen when it's group of five versus power conference and bowl games. You know, sometimes you see that talent gap really rear its ugly head, even in situations like this. So I am going to go with Troy, but I'm only going to put about 9 to 12 confidence points on it. 
Yeah, I'm rocking with Troy as well. I think when, when you look at this type of a situation where both teams have lost their head coach, I have to ask myself, well, which team's going to play more together? Troy, the roster's still basically intact. And for Duke, I mean, everyone's already gone. Like Guys have already hit other landing spots. And so which, which team's more together is the team that's still actually going to be playing in this game. And so, yeah, I'm rocking with Troy. I think they can really run the football. I think they're going to give Duke some problems there, kind of run the ball a little bit, control the clock, force Duke to execute with a lot of guys that hadn't played a whole lot. And for that reason, I'm going Troy. And, and I feel I feel more confident than Trey is in this one. I'd, I'd put more points on this than if I was Trey. So. Make it three for three. I'll take the Trojans as well. We go to the Camellia Bowl now, Arkansas State at Northern Illinois. Guys, um, I don't want to be mean here, but if there's one bowl game that I could – just pick to skip if i had to watch all the others this would probably be that bowl game um both teams are six and six butch jones got his team in a bowl game uh after getting shellacked in the opener by oklahoma and throwing his own players under the bus so i guess congratulations sort of um northern illinois dealing with some injuries they're dealing with a lot of transfers as well trayvon randolph their best player has gone to the portal Neither team really does one thing particularly well, at least not in terms of, you know, winning football. Arkansas State certainly rolled the offense uh, to uh, to bowl eligibility. Northern Illinois just kind of felt like they kind of happened to be here. Um, I don't really have a leaning here. I think if you made me pick, uh, like I know the transfer portal CFB is for our pick, I, I guess I'm going to go Arkansas State. Yeah, they are the one-point favorite. I, I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this one because neither team really seems interested in playing defense. And, you know, across the whole bowl landscape, there's a lot of six and six teams that just kind of found their way into a bowl game this year. And here's two of them right here. So I, this is my lowest confidence. I think, you know, put this one at the very bottom of your confidence pool, one to three points, probably one point. It's going to go either way. I picked Arkansas State, you know, sure, I'll pick Butch Jones to win a bowl game, I guess, but one point on this one, I have no leaning really on this one whatsoever. Yeah, I'm going to go last team to touch the ball wins this one, so it's kind of just a toss-up as to who gets it. I think, you know, you guys are right. Lots of points, not a lot of defense. Um, I'll, I'll go for parity. I'll go, you know, NIU here and just say that they'll find a way. I think Arkansas State has the best player on the field still on either roster. That's Jalen Rayner yeah. for almost uh, 2,300 yards, 15 touchdowns. Just freshman, too. So Arkansas State might have something going forward. Um, so two of us on the Red Wolves, Garrett. Uh, Garrett going for the parity pick. Congratulations for, for saving Arkansas State, maybe. <laughs> um, Garrett, tell me a little bit about the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. If you remember last year, Air Force played in this game. They played Baylor, and it was a hapless affair for the Baylor Bears. It was like 15 degrees with wind chill. It was negative 30. It was a terrible time to be in attendance. Uh, and yet Air Force won that game. They used that momentum to go into this season with all kinds of good vibes. They looked like the favorite to be the New Year's Six champion out of the group of five, and then Garrett, it fell apart. Yeah, I think if I'm looking at this bowl game, 
things I know about the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl is that Lockheed Martin uh, makes airplanes and my dad works for them. And Air Force would do pretty well if they were to just, you know, pay attention to the plant and maybe go down there, look at some of the planes they'll be flying in a couple of years because I don't really think they have any business playing in this game and, and winning against James Madison. My, my oh. goodness. I, I'm, I'm going to roast them. They played really bad down the last part of the season, and they kind of just do one thing. And when you can't do that, then, you know, your whole season goes away. I think James Madison's a really, really good football team. They deserve a better game than this. I understand Technically speaking, they weren't supposed to play in a bowl game anyways, but then there weren't enough teams that qualified, and so they got what they deserved in the first place. They should still be playing a better bowl game than this, in my opinion. Um, but, look, it, it's a good team. A lot of people are leaving this James Madison team, but not till afterwards. So give me James Madison to rock this one, finish off a great season, and, you know, Air Force, uh, thanks for playing. We salute you guys, appreciate you guys, and all you do for our country. But uh, it's... It's not going to be a fun game to watch. I'm still going to watch it, but it's not going to be a whole lot of fun. Are you guys aware of where James Madison ranks in rush defense? Towards the top? They are number one in the country in defending the rush. 61.5 yards per game. Um, Can you guys remind me what type of offense Air Force runs? Air raid, baby. Do they run it? Do they air it out? Do they air raid uh, up there? Ironically, the name does not tell you what they do. That is true. So I'm going to lean James Madison this one. I'm actually going 29 to 32 confidence points. I think the Dukes have, you know, one last ride with all their guys. I know the coaching staff left there in Indiana now, but all, a lot of the guys are still there that made yeah. this run happen. Culture's strong there in, uh, at James Madison. I think they get it done. Lean on that rush defense to shut down Air Force. And Gary, you're right. It's just really surprising to see this out of a well-coached Air Force team to kind of collapse like this down the stretch. Who knows what caused that? I'm going to lean in betting against that. Uh, just for those on the pod side that heard me say air raid, no, that was facetious. Um, <laughs> uh, Zach Larrier, their starting quarterback, had like 62 total attempts through the air. So I'm, yes. I'm well aware of the offense. I thought there. you were going to say 62 total pass yards on the season. Well, Remember when we thought that Navy was going to air it out a lot this year? Yes. Back in week zero when we I bought it that hype. And then they just oh, didn't. That, that was that, that was a, a conspiracy theory that is born exclusively out of the week zero content cycle. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were we were let down. We were we were fooled there. I'm gonna take James Madison as well. Certainly appreciate uh, everything that the Air Force does for us, but uh, they're good, they're not go check out the plant. It's a lot of fun. You can go see the F 35s, it's pretty cool, they're pretty intricate. It's it's a good time. Yeah. Uh, famous Idaho Potato Bowl. The winning coach gets a bath of French fries, which I think is awesome. Uh, Georgia State, Utah State battling on the blue turf for this one. Both teams at six and six. Trey, uh, Utah State had a wild finish to win their season finale to get to bowl eligibility. We talked about Georgia State early in the season. They felt like, okay, uh, the Panthers have come out of nowhere but then fell apart. They end up at just six and six. It's just a one point spread here. It feels like you flip, flip a coin and you've got just about as good of a shot at getting this one. Right. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's fascinating because they got to six and six in very different ways. Georgia state came out hot, started six and one, and then five game losing streak to close out the year. Um, You know, Utah state exact opposite started three and five um, won their last uh, won their last 
three of their last four, I believe, to get to get to bowl eligibility. A couple wild finishes and double overtime. So, you know, I'm going to lean Utah State in this one just because of the general vibe of the program right now. Like Georgia State seems to be reeling. Utah State seems to be coming into this one with more confidence. They got a big win, a wild finish to knock off New Mexico on the last week of the season to get bowl eligible. And Georgia State also had a lot of portal losses as well. They lost their leading rusher, leading receiver, starting right tackle, starting corner. Just better vibes coming out of Logan, Utah right now. So I'm going to take the Aggies. Only about five to eight confidence points, though. Yeah, I, this might be one of the only games I don't really watch because both these teams wear blue and it's blue turf, and it's just really going to hurt my eyes. And so I'm, I'm not not necessarily thrilled to watch this one. Might have to put one of those like blue light filters on it and see what happens. Um, but I'm also going to lean Utah State. I'm going to go uh, sort of like off the field reason. I think just closer to home for them, a little bit more familiar with the weather. Probably the fan base travels a little bit better. I think it'll give them a little bit of an edge in this one. So I'm going to go Utah State. They're you know playing their best ball right now. Uh, and, and I'll take a team that's playing a lot better in the last month versus a team that hasn't won a game in the last month. As of right now, Utah State does not have anybody in the transfer portal. Georgia State – has at least eight guys by my count mm. in the portal. Uh, but I'm going to go Utah State for an entirely separate reason. Guys, do you know what Levi Williams is planning to do after this game? Quarterback at Utah State? I do not. He is going to Bud School. He's going to go be a Navy SEAL. Heck yeah. So Right um, on. Yeah, salute Levi Williams. A uh, little hoo-ah for him and the troops. Uh, I'm going to go Utah State in this one for uh, for nothing else than – uh, I think that is a baller move, and I wish him the absolute best. 68 Ventures Bowl. I guess the next game is the 60 Vines uh, Restaurant Bowl. Uh, but this one is between South Alabama and Eastern Michigan. And this is one of those bowl games where you know the game makers. Shout out Hunger Games. Uh, you know the game makers go, hmm, we're stuck. Because <laughs> Eastern Michigan made a bowl game. Congratulations, guys. The problem is they're a really, really bad football team in context of South Alabama that has no business being 6-6. Six and six. They beat Oklahoma State in Stillwater early in the season, for crying out loud. But the Jaguars failed to, to bring it home, underachieved in the Sun Belt, and a one-time contender for the conference now finds themselves in the 68 Ventures Bowl. Guys, they are a 16-point favorite against the boys from the factory and. While they may sign up for 60, I'm not giving them any chance in this game. Give me South Alabama. Yeah, this is a bad offense that doesn't have their quarterback uh, in, in Eastern Michigan. That's not the recipe for success. And South Alabama's, you know, they're up and down this year, had some real moments. Uh, this will be an up moment for them. Also, basically a home game. Um, it's it's going to be a lot of fun for them to kind of just play this one in Mobile. front of a lot of their fans. Um, and you know, obviously with the, you know, 68 ventures being a, a real estate development service company, uh, for transforming the Gulf coast, which we all knew, obviously, um, that's, that's, you know, kind of playing into the home field or something like that. So shout out to that corporate sponsorship for that bowl game. Um, but yeah, South Alabama, I think I'd feel real confident about this one for them. I'm right there with you guys. There's no South Alabama has no business losing this game. I'll put 25 to 28 confidence points on it. You can go higher. Absolutely. If you want, I'm just kind of tapping the brakes because I don't like putting my forties and my, uh, you know, 
big numbers on six and six teams. That's just a personal strategy that I have. I don't like doing that uh, because, you know, they've shown that they can win just as easy as they can lose, even when they're 16 point favorites. So 25 to 28 for me to kind of play it right down the fairway. Totally, totally fair. Colin Lacey, their star wide receiver, gone to the portal. LaDamian Webb, their stud running back, also gone. Uh, I don't believe either of them will play in this bowl game. So not necessarily a terrible financial decision there by you, Trey. Uh, we go to the land of terrible financial decisions. The SRS Distributions Las <laughs> Vegas Bowl, baby. Let's, let's cue it up. Utah are seven-point favorites against Northwestern. I am so happy that David Braun got Northwestern to a bowl game, but golly, this could be tough. Uh, neither team is uh, super adept at putting up points on the scoreboard. You may know that already, uh, specifically because – Cam Rising didn't play at all for Utah. The running game didn't really get going like we hoped it would. And it was kind of a backup quarterback carousel, right? Nate Johnson is now headed to the portal. So it's Bryson Barnes who takes over. Um, Jaquindon Jackson, I think, has to be the X factor here because Northwestern's defense was surprisingly valid this season. So it's a a battle of, of two teams that like to keep you off the scoreboard. I struggle to figure out where Northwestern gains an advantage other than one area they were plus 10 in the turnover margin this season that was good for seventh in the country they're gonna have to force the Utes to cough the football up otherwise I think it's a big Utah victory you you said it best like if Bryson Barnes and company take care of the football they're gonna win this one going away I think Utah is very comfortable in that stadium as well obviously they've won some big time games in Las Vegas over the last couple years I'm rolling with the Utes. I think the pig farmer gets one more big one before uh, Cam Rising comes back and takes over. Yeah, man. My my Utes are playing in Las Vegas to end the season, just as I predicted, obviously. Um, I, I probably won't be buying the home field shirt for that one. I've got the Rose Bowl shirt on right now. Probably won't be buying the Utah SRS Distributions Las Vegas Bowl t-shirt that home field will put out. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's – it's just it's a it's been a little bit of a sad season for Utah. Obviously, all of us Utah faithful over here begging for Cam Rising to come back. Can't wait for his you know swan song and his you know 13th season next year. But um, looking forward to that. Let's you know cap off the season on a good little dub here. Lots of running game. You could also see a lot of Sione Vaki again in the run game if if Jaquin and Jackson for some reason can't get it done. But I think Jackson will have a pretty big day and and break out here in the in the Vegas Bowl. 30 to 33 points on my confidence, by the way, for Utah. Yeah. Well, so 30 to 33 in that game. Let's go to a game that ups the ante. You are extremely confident in the outcome of this one. We go to the island, easy post Hawaii Bowl between Coastal Carolina and San Jose State. Trey, why are you picking the Spartans? Oh, two reasons. San Jose State has a great one-two punch on offense that's really blossomed this year in Siobhan Cordero and Kerry Robinson, uh, about 1,100 yards rushing, 2,500 yards to the air for Cordero. And, you know, the Spartans are missing some guys in the portal. Obviously, broken record at this point. Just two. Just two. Yeah, it's it's the left tackle and the tight end, I believe. But for the most part, they're intact and they're ready to go. The Shanties, on the other hand, you know, Grayson McCall just announced today that he's transferring to NC State. They're They're broken at this point. And it's really sad to see a team that rose so well under Jamie Chadwell. I, I just think they, they're going to 
fall off the face of the earth next year, unfortunately. I don't like the hire that they made. I listen, they, they and we've seen over the last couple of years when uh, when they when the quarterback is out, he is when Grayson McCall is out, the play drops off significantly, not just on the offensive side of the ball, but the defensive side of the ball as well. He is the heart and soul of that team. So when he's out, it, it's usually game over for the Chanticleers. It is a like five time zone trip for them. And I know they'll get adjusted and get there days early to get over that, but it's a much easier flight from San Jose to Honolulu than it is from uh, Conway, South Carolina to Honolulu. So I'm going to take the Spartans in this one. I'm going all the way up to 36 to 39 points. I really think San Jose State found something over the back half of this year. They put it all together. They had a tough out-of-conference schedule playing USC and Oregon State off the bat. Took some losses, but it's paid off down the stretch as they've really figured some stuff out. So I think they capped that off with a bull win. Yeah, Trey, not not putting all your confidence points on those six and six teams. Let's put them seven on and five, seven and five, baby. Seven and five when they're playing a broken Shanti's team. No, truly, yeah. And, and look, it's it's sad because it was really fun to watch them be so you know prevalent the last couple of years and and watch them play some really fun football. But that's kind of how it goes with some of these G five teams. Is you have a good coach, a good program, and then you disappear for a little while. I, I hope that they're still good because it's fun to watch them play and it's fun to watch them be good. But San Jose State is a pretty good team who can play some pretty good offense. You know, it, it's obviously not going to be perfect. Obviously, there's going to be some problems, but they can score, and I just don't think Coastal can. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, Trey. San Jose State by a bunch. We go to Tuesday, December 26th, the day after Christmas, likely the day that I'm driving back from Des Moines. So maybe I'll tune in to the Quick Lane Bowl between Bowling Green and Minnesota. The Gophers are three-and-a-half-point favorites, 1 p.m. ESPN Ford Field. Somebody make this make sense. Minnesota went 5-7 and seven for crying out loud, and you were telling me that they are the betting favorite? Why? It, Mitch, first of all, please don't watch this game while you're driving. I, I don't want you to fall asleep and uh, <laughs> perish on I-35 as you're heading back to Texas, so – Please do us a favor and wait for the first responder bowl before you Thank start you. watching football. Um, but that aside, um, it, it's a hundred percent talent r- r- bot- uh, top to bottom on the roster. That's the reason they're favored. Is like it? I said, like I said, I think it was Duke and Troy where I said weird things, you know, can happen when even on paper, like we're looking just at the records, you know, Bowling Green is played a better, played better as a team this year. Obviously something just hasn't clicked with the golden Gophers. But when you get them lined up on the field, sometimes that talent just does, just wins out, even when it's broken. And look, I know, uh, you know, multiple quarterbacks in the portal for Minnesota wasn't exactly like the quarterbacks were carrying the load for the Golden Gophers this year. They are missing Tanner Morgan badly um, in his seven years of eligibility that he spent in Minneapolis. But you know, I, I'm going to take Bowling Green in this one. I do think that they're the more cohesive team at this point. Weird things happen when five and seven teams get in there too, though. So sometimes they just take that opportunity and run with it. They really embrace the underdog role. Don't know how Minnesota will morph themselves into the underdog role and they're playing Bowling Green, but they might. Um, but I'm going to take the Falcons two to five confidence points in this one. And fun fact that I researched, Bowling Green actually leads the all-time series in this matchup. So there you go. 
and they're going to extend that lead. I'm picking Bowling Green with a fair amount of confidence because Minnesota sucks. They're so bad. They they're bad. just bad. And and look, I guess the only bright spot for Minnesota right now is you're right. Like there wasn't like it's going to be a massive drop off because of your portal guys. Like you weren't good anyways this season. If your backups are bad, they're just also bad. So like uh, I'm not I'm not thinking there's going to be massive drop off for Minnesota, but there's a reason you're five and seven. It's not because you're a good football team. It's because you you were bad and you went five and seven. And again, this was in a, a you know side of the conference where there were a lot of wins to be had this year, plenty of wins to be had in the Big Ten on that side of the conference, and still couldn't find enough of them to make a bowl game. I, I like <clears throat> I like Bowling Green a lot in this one. Um, I think that they run the ball well. They play good on defense, and, and I'm going to pick Bowling Green to win this one. And I would put more confidence on. I understand that. You know, it's just Bowling Green. It's just these lowly guys who we don't really believe in or something. But, you know, I like my seven and five teams to put my confidence points on. Falcons won five of their last six. They only lost to Toledo during that stretch in the penultimate uh, game of the season. Make it six out of their last seven. They win the quick lane bowl over Minnesota. Let's go back to the Lone Star State, the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl. Uh, pass the uh, the billboard for it every single day on my drive uh, out of Dallas, Texas State, four-point favorites at Rice. This is a 4.30 p.m. kick. Texas State, seven and five. Rice is six and six. Trey, tell me where you're leaning here. I'm leaning the Bobcats because they – you know, have just been a really fun team this year to watch. This, I think there's going to be a lot of points in this matchup. You know, uh, TJ Finley leading the offense uh, down from Texas State, electric top 20 offensive attack. And Rice is, uh, you know, doing the same thing. You know, they don't have JT Daniels anymore. He medically retired. I'm really sad to hear that he had to do that but uh, before, instead of, you know, continuing to play football. But, AJ Paget has really filled in nicely over the last few uh, f- last few weeks in his stead. Um, he has a really awesome dynamic weapon in Luke McCaffrey to get the ball to. They like to get it to him through the air. They like to get it to him on the ground. And you know, neither defense is really going to stand out in this one. Both are way down on the national list. Uh, but I'm gonna. I think I trust the Bobcats' offense more in this one. So I'm going to take Texas State about 16 to 20 confidence points. Yeah, I'm I'm with Trey on this one. This is kind of a vibes pick. Uh, Texas State's been fun. They've got a great offense, and, and Rice plays well on offense too. I'm just gonna go with Texas State because I want it to happen. So I'm I'm rocking with Texas State on this one. And uh, you know, Mitch, I'll let you mention the the gimmicky subnautic you know weapon that that could possibly pull them across the finish because you you've liked to bring that up from time to time on this pod throughout the year. Uh, hey, listen, um, the, the Rally Trident is yes, a legit thing. Uh, we we will remember the legend of the Rally Trident, whether it is fictional or not. That's all we need, right? We just need a, a story, a rumor, then it's it's passed around from, from fan to fan. And down the line, nobody knows if it was real or not. That is the beauty of a college tradition. I'm leaning into it. I'm going to take Texas State to win this one as well. Uh, Trey, I'm going to turn this next – maybe two bowl games over to you because my device is saying it's nearly out of power. I've got to go find a charging cord. So take it away, my friend. All right. I love this peek behind the curtain <laughs> here. Let's talk about the stupidest matchup in this bowl season. I'm You're just going to so go off the rails now that Mitch is gone. 
Um, guaranteed rate bowl out in Phoenix, Arizona. It's played at the World Series runner up Arizona Diamondbacks, Chase Field, second place, first loser of the World Series. And Kansas, <laughs> eight and four, best season since 2008. Their reward is they get to go play in a baseball stadium against UNLV, who had a nice season in their own right, nine and four. Faltered down the stretch, two really bad losses down the stretch. But, you know, Garrett, no disrespect to Barry Odom. Great year this year. Cinderella run. One of the best stories in college football. This really feels like a letdown for the Jayhawks. I really feel like they deserve to be in a little bit higher tier bowl game. You think back to last year, they're playing in the Liberty Bowl against an SEC opponent. You know, they went six and six. But, you know, the way that this shook, shook out, couple other teams in the Big 12 had surprisingly good seasons as well. They just don't get the higher draw. But, you know, Kansas is going to take their running show on the road, right? Devin Neal, 1,200 yards rushing. Daniel Henshaw, they're going to try to keep the way, the ball away from that UNLV uh, offense that's electric in its own right. Kansas has some defensive struggles. Uh, they could That could make this close. But for me, I'm really confident in Kansas in this one. They've done enough to show me I'm willing to put – all the way up to all my confidence points on this one. This might be what ends up taking my top spot. I'm in the 39 to 42 range. I'm 100% on the same page. This is a great Kansas team that's been playing really well. Um, Outside of the fact that they missed their starting quarterback for most of the year, I think they would have won a couple more if they would have had him the whole year. But this is still a really good run team with Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw, so I'm going to keep rocking with those guys. And and look, UNLV, good season. Obviously 9-4, and nothing to sneeze at, but um, or and I, I guess nine and three is nothing either, but still just kind of not at the same level um, as you know what I'd expect Kansas to be at at this point. Um, really sucks that this basketball school that's finally playing well at football is rewarded with a baseball stadium. Uh, they they just they they're not getting any respect. So maybe next year they get some respect. I'm I'm rocking with Kansas Kansas as well. Yeah. Jaden Maiava, it's a Ricky White connection. Definitely going to be tough to stop for the Jayhawks, but I, I think ultimately they don't have any problems. Not with Kobe Bryant on the scene. Kobe I, Bryant going to take care of business. I heard mm-hmm. your I heard your shot at the poor Diamondbacks. Um, you know, listen, the folks from Texas kicked them kicked them enough uh, last month. So you know, maybe maybe we'll let them we'll let them enjoy this. Uh, Did I'm you guys write- see? Quick side note on the Diamondbacks. This is a college yep. football pod. I don't care. Um, did y'all see the video of the 10-year-old diehard Diamondbacks fan that was just weeping after the Dodgers signed Shohei saying, we'll never be able to win again. That was the last <laughs> time we'll ever win. <laughs> Listen, kid, uh, that's probably you. true. That's probably true. <laughs> I wish I had some comforting well, words for I, you. But I don't that's, know if y'all saw that true. thing, too. Just one last note on that. The whole the Rangers won one game in November and that was somehow more than like the Grizzlies and like these like other NFL teams that just like none of them combined won a single game in November. I just thought that was kind of a fun little stat too. Love it. There you go. Uh, Excellent job filling in Mr. Substitute teacher Trey. Appreciate that. Um, (laughs) The scramble was real for a second there, but I take you now fully charged to Wednesday, December 27th. Virginia Tech taking on Tulane. This is another one of those games where you look at the records. Football casuals go, oh, take all my money. Give me the team that's 11-2. and two. Give me the team that played for their conference championship game. And yet, here I am getting ready to tell you that 
Virginia Tech can absolutely win this bowl game. Now, Trey, I know you disagree. Um, to me, Virginia Tech has enough going for it where Kyron Jones threw for almost 2,000 yards on the season. They have a starting tight end in the portal, but that's pretty much the only omission from the actual bowl roster because uh, while there are maybe some other guys contemplating the future of going into the transfer portal as of right now, the rumor is if there are guys, they're, they're going to play. So to me, you have a very complete Virginia Tech team, some momentum from making a bowl game, going up against a two-lane roster that is decimated by the portal. They lost Willie Fritz to Houston. Vibes feel like maybe they're at their lowest point uh, in New Orleans in quite some time. I'm not necessarily saying I feel great about it, but give me the turkeys. I, I feel I feel you, and they're eight-point favorites, so Vegas obviously agrees with you on that. But, you know, from a confidence point standpoint, you got to find your spaces to take calculated risks, yep. right? You got to find your spots. You got to find where you can gain some points on the field. This is where I feel like I can get some points on the field because I feel like a lot of people, they'll look at the records, but then they'll look at that Vegas line, minus eight, and then lean to right at Virginia Tech. I'm going to zig when everyone else is zagging. I'll take Tulane for 16 to 18 points. Michael Pratt is still playing in this game, yes? He is. Absolutely. He's not opting out. We saw the magic that he created last year firsthand in Arlington when they were bigger underdogs to USC. So I think that they can figure this out. They've still got a lot of veterans on that roster that want to win one more game together and get back-to-back 12-win seasons for the Green Wave. So I'm going to take Tulane, try to get some points on the field in this one. Again, 16 to 18 confidence points. Yeah, well, Trey, you're you're not gonna be the only one zigging while everyone else is zagging. I'm I'm a zig right there with you. I'm gonna rock with Tulane because I still think that Pratt's the best player on that field if he's gonna actually play. Now, I would put this one on opt out watch, and yes. you know if he makes yeah. a last minute decision to Absolutely. opt out, I will swing all the way back over to Virginia Tech and put all my confidence over there because no Michael Pratt I think doesn't make this one close. But with Michael Pratt at the helm, he's the the much better quarterback, um, and and. I thought it was funny, Mitch, when you said the drones had thrown for almost 2,000. I had imagined he had taken over like halfway through the season or something like that and almost threw for 2,000. He, I mean, had passing attempts throughout the whole year, started playing middle of September. Not great numbers. I mean, it it, it was working. It was more consistent. Just that, yeah, I, I hadn't been paying too much attention to his game. And, you know, this is one of those, I'm sorry, I wasn't familiar with your game type of situations, but I'm going to take my apology back. I'm not too familiar with this game, and I don't need to be. He doesn't seem like he's all that dynamic. Now, maybe better next year, just not that dynamic right now. Um, he had one game going over 300 and several, you know, under two. So I'm going to I'm gonna rock with Tulane in this one, just better quarterback play and, and overall just the better team. Fun fact, uh, Kyron Drones accidentally called me on Thanksgiving Day because hmm. uh, I'm cool like that. But uh, why? <laughs> uh, give me, give me the, uh, give me the Hokies in this one. Uh, just a gut feel. Duke's Mayo Bowl. This is another game where you look at what's going on in the portal and you go, "What's the point of playing this game?" To be quite honest, North Carolina is not the same team that suited up for for twelve games in this regular season. They're just not. They're missing Drake May. They're going to miss Cedric Gray, amongst others. Multiple starters in the portal. Multiple guys opting out for their NFL futures. It is, it is going to be only the diehards that know who's on the field for the Tar Heels 
at all times. Meanwhile, for West Virginia, they're going for a nine-win season. And Trey, like you said earlier, in these situations, kind of defaults to who's the more complete roster as in this given moment and who wants to be there more. West Virginia saved Neil Brown's job. You were banging that drum all season long. Uh, and I expect we see more weird things in this one. I'm going to take the Mountaineers minus the points. Neil Brown syndrome rides again to nine wins. Who to thunk it? The, the rush defense is still intact for yeah. West Virginia, and that's kind of the strength of this team, especially when you think about they're going to be going up against a backup quarterback that hasn't played a ton sitting behind Drake May. It's not going to be easy for him to get comfortable when West Virginia is able to shut down the run. So I'm leaning Mountaineers as well, 19 to 22 confidence points. Wouldn't surprise me if North Carolina comes out and just has a really competent offensive game plan. But, you know, again, disappointing season for North Carolina. Best season in a while for West Virginia. I think that equates to West Virginia winning this game. Mitch, you ask why we played this game with so many guys out. I'll tell you why we played this game, because either Mac or Neil Brown is going to get a bunch of mayo dumped on him at the end of this game. Yes. And that's exactly why you played this game. Who would you guys rather have Mac, the mayo? 100%. Mac? I want to watch yeah. Mac get drenched in mayo. That, that's a guy who's held up a national championship trophy. That's <laughs> fair. And he and misses chance him in his it. twilight years, just drenched in mayonnaise. There's something no. about me needs that in my life just one time. Do you think Maybe Mac knows year? that that's a possibility? Yeah, well, he's, he's played in this game before. Okay. He lost He lost to South Carolina two years ago. That's yeah, right. I, I forgot that. about that. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. That's no, 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 no. He's he's very – He's, he's, he's well-educated. Right? He, okay. he knows that he missed out on his chance to get that you know gorgeous mayo bath, so – I think that he's got to he's got to be thinking about that right now. I, I'm gonna go North Carolina. I think that it would be the most Neil Brown thing to just save your job and then implode in the bowl game. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go North Carolina in this one and just you know trust that the whole Neil Brown syndrome thing has reached its final conclusion. Just just when we thought we had Mountaineer fans back on our side, we go and lose them with that comment. Uh, <laughs> Let's uh, let's take you out to the DirecTV Holiday Bowl, number 15, Louisville, seven and a half point favorites at USC. Louisville finished 10 and three. They went to the ACC championship game. And while they did not look good, they made it there. USC quit on the season. Uh, Caleb Williams has opted out. It feels like uh, I believe a number of other guys have opted out. Yeah, Marshawn Lloyd, Brendan Rice, potentially Kalen Bullock um, as well. He's on opt out watch. You don't have a defensive coordinator uh, installed. I know um, they they took UCLA's defensive coordinator, but I don't believe he's coaching in this bowl game. UCLA took all the talent in the world and lit it on fire. Good enough for the 122nd ranked defense in the country. Uh, it's going to be a, a backup quarterback, either Malachi Nelson or is it Miller Moss? Is that right? Um, boy, I haven't heard his name in quite some time. That'll be taking snaps there. Louisville's not a juggernaut. They're not a world beater. We, we saw that when they lost to a badly handicapped Florida State team, but they have something to play for in this game. And USC, like I said, straight up quit on the season, um, to, to be frank. So give me the Cardinals. I'm right there with you. Jawar Jordan is going to control this game in my mind. Uh, I don't think USC's defense is going to have an answer for him. So I'm laying quite a few. I'm 35 to 38 confidence points on Louisville. They want to be there. USC is ready to go to Cancun. Yeah, no, I, 
for me, Louisville obviously is looking at this as an opportunity for recruiting. They're looking at this as an opportunity to say, look at what we can do. Look at what we did year one. Let's, you know, win all the games. Let's keep pushing the thing. And and this is going to sell because whether you, you know, believe what you want to believe about USC this year, it's still a big name and it's still a big program that if you can knock them off in a bowl game, that's going to grab a lot of people's attention. And I think they're going to be motivated to go out there and kind of beat the brakes off them a little bit. And they will because USC just flat out quit. They just flat out gave up on the season. Things didn't go their way and they gave up on it. And it's because their head coach has that kind of culture. It's all about riding the momentum. And when things start to go the opposite direction, that's just what happened. That's what his team's supposed to do, right? His team's supposed to quit and, and they did. So they're, you know, they've lost all their players. They're going to lose more. Um, Whoever's playing, you know, is basically taking practice reps for next year. And Louisville's a very good team. They're not elite by any means. That's not, you know, that's not where they are as a program yet. But this is absolutely the better team in all aspects of the game right now. And I'm going to rock with them to win by a whole bunch. Not a fun game to watch. I think you're going to watch them quit in real time on the sideline as well. They might come out and like look good for a quarter and a half, but I think they'll quit in real time and just get rolled over. Tulane punched him in the mouth late last season uh, in the Cotton Bowl. They had nothing to answer the bell there mm-hmm. either. Taxac Texas Bowl. That is the nightcap on skip. Wednesday, the twenty seventh. <laughs> Can't skip that. Texas A and M is a three point favorite against number twenty Oklahoma State, who is last seen getting blasted in the Big Twelve Championship game by the Longhorns. Uh, guys, tell me which you value more, a defense that ranks uh, in the 120s per Oklahoma State or Ollie Gordon? That's a fantastic question. I think that's one that uh, Oklahoma State fans have been asking all year long. I think the matchup is really interesting with Ollie Gordon in the Texas A&M front seven because we've all heard about the transfers from you know Walter Nolan and uh, other guys on that defensive line. All-American Edgerin Cooper is obviously not going to be suiting up. He's opting out to prepare for the NFL draft. So Ollie Gordon has an opportunity to make the statement he wanted to make to an in-state team uh, in Arlington that he did not get to make against the Texas Longhorns. So we'll see if he rises to that opportunity. Um, But I think Texas A&M is going to move the ball as well. I'm not exactly – I think they're going to keep it on the ground a lot. I like what they've done with Jalen Henderson – um, running more of an option, read option style attack. They moved the ball on LSU. They moved the ball on Mississippi State really well with him uh, calling signals. So we'll see. I, I'm really coming in as a fan of Texas A&M. I'm really coming into this game with as low expectations as possible with the new coach coming in, yep. all the upheaval of the roster, all the you know just turmoil that that brings the distractions of a new coach, the distractions of an interim coach recruiting for another team. That's a story for another episode, but I'm going to take Oklahoma state as the more cohesive entity right now. I think that they are more together. They have less to worry about. They have less, you know, disruptions um, in their locker room right now. So I'm going to take Oklahoma state about 18 to 20 confidence points. Wouldn't surprise me if AM wins this game, but I think Oklahoma State's more equipped to win on the field right now. Yeah, I think AM a little bit cleaned out up the middle. So Ollie Gordon's going to have a lot of success. Um, there, there's good players, obviously, still on that AM roster, but I think the big problem is going to be linebackers fitting gaps. 
Uh, you got, you know, Turin York, he's kind of the only guy with a lot of experience that's going to be coming back for this one. Outside of that, <clears throat> wouldn't be surprising to see a little bit of over-pursuit from some of the AM players and watching a lot of sort of cutback plays and a lot of just free grass in front of him for Ollie Gordon. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of the kid, tease up Ollie Gordon. I think he's going to tear up AM a lot. Um, they don't have a good defense, so AM probably scores a bunch, but with all the off the field stuff and all the the other thing too is there's a lot of guys on AM's team who are still deciding if they're gonna transfer or not. Mm-hmm. And that can't be good for just right now moments, you know, thinking about prepping for the bowl, thinking about what you're gonna be doing and practicing and whatever else can't be good for it. And so I'm I'm really leaning hard Oklahoma State on this one. Um and, and I think that it's gonna be a good day for the Cowboys. Oklahoma State's defense is bad enough that Texas A&M absolutely has a shot in this, but I agree. I mean, you can't look at the the chewed-up state of that run defense, especially at the linebacking unit with Edron Cooper out, and think that uh, A&M is, is the favorite in, in my eyes. Certainly not down to a third-string quarterback. Now, Jalen Henderson, he's he's been fine. This is honestly, this is a, an audition for his next team, right? He's not going to be... Uh, shouldn't probably shouldn't be at Texas A&M next season. He's not going to play um, behind Connor Wegman and, you know, a, a host of talented quarterback prospects that are coming in. If he wants to stay the backup, great, but I don't think he really has a shot at starting next year. So Henderson may go ball out, and that would obviously be great for the Aggies. He's, he's playing a, a defense that's um, not been able to get very many stops. I'm also going to lean Oklahoma State, though. I think this game, especially in bowl games, can be controlled on the ground when you bleed the clock. Um, so it wouldn't be shocked to see AM win this. Uh, they have more talent, but uh, I'll, I'll lean Oklahoma State as well. I, I will say only real big point in AM's favor is this game is played in Houston, so it's basically a home game for him. So, you know, it's it's not the way a lot of Aggie fans wanted to end this season in Houston, but at the same time, when you underachieve as aggressively sure. as Jimbo Fisher does, this is where you end up. So there you go. Thursday, December 28th, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl, one of the most unique sponsors in this great game. SMU is ranked 24th. They are 10.5-point favorites over Boston College. I think we can go pretty quickly over this one. Um, SMU has the offensive advantage. They have the defensive advantage by quite a margin. If you want to hear more about the legend that is Kevin Jennings and what he meant to South Oak Cliff, and now the greater Dallas area by bringing home a championship at SMU. Go read our article. I wrote a little blurb in there about that. But to me, guys, this is a runaway for the ponies. SMU wins big up in Boston. Yep, 40 to 42 confidence points on SMU for this one. Obviously, home game vibes for BC, but I don't think that's going to matter for SMU. They're pumped to be there. They're pumped to finish the season strong. Yeah, SMU by 90. Not a whole lot to say. Just a way better team in a lot of in a lot of factions. So yeah, they can they can score as many points as they want to. They can get the you know fifth string walk-on guy a touchdown at the end of the game if they want to. They're gonna do whatever they want to do in this game. Let's uh go from one ballpark to the next. Yankee Stadium is hosting the Bad Boy Mowers pinstripe bowl. This is Rutgers and Miami. The Canes are one point favorites. You can watch this on ESPN. Rutgers six and six. They made it to a bowl game. Felt like a massive victory. Miami went seven and five. Very similar to the Texas A&M camp. One of those winning uh, wins coming over the Aggies. Felt like a massive disappointment. Guys, I'm rolling with Rutgers here with a better defense and more continuity on offense. Kyle Monagai announced that he's coming back for another season. I think he could single handedly take this game over, especially if Miami is not able to move the ball 
on offense. Guys like Colby Young are in the portal. Tyler Van Dyke uh, left. He's committed now to Wisconsin. And Emory Williams broke his arm against Florida State. It's it's kind of the Will Smith meme for me. Uh, you know, looking around the the empty living room, if you're Mario Cristobal, trying to figure out who you got to go to war with, who's going to go win this game, pseudo home game for the Scarlet Knights. Rutgers has more to play for. Yeah, you guys tell me who wants to be here more. Guys from South Florida that are playing an outdoor game in New York City in November or in December, or the team that's never made a bowl game on their own volition since 2014. Like, yeah. who wants to be there more in that situation? It's the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. So I'm leaning Rutgers as well. Matchup on the field to watch. Miami only allows 97.1 yards per game on the ground, but they're going to be without three NFL-bound starters on their defense. So I think if Rutgers can win, run the ball, they win this game three to six confidence points. So I'm not very confident in the Scarlet Knights to get it done just because of the talent discrepancy, but I'm taking Rutgers. Yeah, your big advantage if you're Miami is just the fact that it's not a home game. So at least you're not playing a hard rock anymore. I mean, it's that's not a place where they win a whole lot. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Rutgers as well. I think they're going to run the ball effectively and, and end up squeaking this one out in a fairly uneventful game, but, you know, should come out on top. The race to finish this in under two hours is officially on. We continue <clears throat> with the Pop-Tarts Bowl, the first ever edible mascot between number 18, NC State, number 25, Kansas State, Camping World Stadium. You can watch this on ESPN. Um, Dave Doran keeps working his magic. Trey, NC State, we counted them out. That was, honestly, that was our bad. That was our bad. Their defense has always been really solid, but their offense figured it out. Yeah, you know, everything could have just spiraled for the Wolfpack this year. They have to bench their star transfer quarterback, Brendan Armstrong. They put in the young MJ Morris. He plays for four games and decides, I'm good. I'm going to transfer. I'm going to keep my red shirt here. Uh, The way that he managed that chaos is fascinating and really, really amazing. Like Dave Doran deserves a ton of credit for managing that situation and getting his team to nine wins. Guys, this is an NC State program that's won 10 games as a program all of one time in their entire history. And they're right on the cusp of that, getting a Kansas State team that uh, has made the decision. I hope it works out for them. You know, we've seen another Big 12 team bench and cast off the guy that leads them to a title in favor of the younger guy that comes in. I know Avery Johnson is way more talented, way more highly uh, touted than Blake Shapin, but this situation did not work out well for the Baylor Bears who were in the Big 12 title game just a couple years ago, and now we see they're sitting at home during bowl season. So I think that's going to work out better for Kansas State. They've obviously made the decision that they want to roll with Avery Johnson. Talented kid, looked the part when he came in this year. But for this one, I'm going to roll with the more experienced quarterback. I'm going to take Armstrong and the Wolfpack to get it done. Uh, 18 to 22 confidence points. This is going to be one of the more fun matchups of all bowl season for me. I think there's going to be, you know, back and forth game. This game, whether it's been the Cheez-It Bowl or the Pop-Tart Bowl or whatever it's been called over the years, has just always had a really fun matchup between the Big 12 and ACC. No different this year. I lean NC State. Wouldn't be surprised either way, though. Yeah, I don't think I'd be shocked either way, but I'd be a lot more surprised if Kansas State wins. You lose QB1, you lose your offensive coordinator, young quarterback. I just don't trust him in the spot against a really good defense. 
So I'm also going to go with NC State in this one, and I think I'm fairly confident with these guys. Let's go to the Valero Alamo Bowl in San Antonio, Texas, between one team that feels like 10-2 is a disappointment. The other team feels like 9-3 and is an absolute celebration of life. I'm talking about number 14, Arizona, number 12, Oklahoma. Trey, I don't know if you have looked at what the Sooners have lost to the portal in these last few days. Spoiler alert, it's everybody. They have Mm -hmm. lost their starting quarterback, several running backs, their entire offensive line, just to name a few. Meanwhile, Arizona is a program that is building all kinds of momentum under Jed Fish, heading into the Big 12. Noah Fafita comes out of nowhere to back up Jaden DeLara, who goes down with injury. Jed Fish has taken Arizona from being a college football meme to a team that could be contending for Big 12 titles year in and year out. Yeah, it's been a, one of the best stories in all of college football this year. I'm pumped that he stayed at Arizona. No, it wasn't looking likely for uh, quite some time there as the coaching carousel was heating up, but I'm really excited that he's going to stay at Arizona, build something really fun there. Um, but for on the other side of the ball, you know, Oklahoma – we, we get to see Jackson Arnold. I think that's going to be fascinating to see him step up and see what he can do with, you know, obviously a lesser tier of talent than he's, than Dylan Gabriel got to work with, but you know, he'll still have stoops. He'll still have a, a couple of weapons there to throw the ball to. I think Arizona is going to be the more motivated team in this game though. I think they're fired up to be back into bowl season. Jed fish has obviously shown that he can get his guys up for these big games. I think they win this one. 25 to 28 confidence points on Arizona for me in this one. Uh, Oklahoma just doesn't have anybody left in the tank to me to, to get this done. So uh, back-to-back bowl losses for the Sooners, and they'll look to regroup before they go in the SEC. Yeah, Arizona's the better team, I think, in this one. I, I don't think that's necessarily stretching too much, especially you no know, Dylan Gabriel. I, I just think this is a much better team, um, obviously more motivated too. I think Fafita's looked really good. Um, great wide receiver rotation out there and, and, you know, no cowing, but that's, I'm kind of okay with that. It's still a, it's still a really good rotation anyways. Give me Arizona. It's been a fun, it's been a fun team, fun story. Let's keep upping that win total from, uh, from, you know, making it higher than what USC is going to finish with. Let's just keep that win total going for Arizona. It's amazing. The turnaround that that program has witnessed. Uh, let's go to the Taxler Gator Bowl, number 22, Clemson, four-and-a-half-point favorites over Kentucky, who is quietly cleaning up in the transfer portal right now. They've got their new quarterback. They've got a couple of wide receivers coming in. Uh, this is Friday, December 29th, the 11 a.m. kick from Jacksonville. Clemson went 8-4. and four. Kentucky went 7-5. and five. On the field, I don't really worry so much about the outcome of this game, I'm pretty confident Clemson is going to find a way to win despite having multiple defensive starters out. What's most interesting uh, to me in this game is really how Clemson moves forward past this bowl game. Win or loss, this will be the first year since 2010 when Clemson did not win double-digit wins. I know the fan base is upset um kind of coming across a little bit like spoiled children with that but uh Davo Sweeney's got to kind of win over the locker room win over the fan base a little bit in this offseason or at least that's how it's perceived to the national media that's just a fantastic run like 
who would ever thought that Clemson would make a run like that mm-hmm. um, for such sustained, prolonged success. But yeah, you're absolutely right. This is a huge offseason for Dabo Sweeney. I think it gets started on the right note here, just thinking about this game in particular. Kentucky's been a hot mess this year. And outside of running all over Florida and you know blowing the Gators out at home, really, and beating Louisville, that was a huge win to end the year. Um, really a forgettable year for Kentucky, a team that we thought would be pushing towards the top of the SEC East um, with you know the transfer additions that they made, the, getting the offensive coordinator back that kind of tied it all together. I, just really disappointing year for uh, Kentucky, for the Wildcats. So I'm taking Clemson in this one, 27 to 30 confidence points. Um, I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Clemson just or Kentucky just hasn't shown themselves to be cohesive enough on offense. And Clemson's really started to figure out down the stretch of this season. So give me the Tigers. Give me them running away. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We might actually be having two teams moving different directions here, but it's just not going to quite be enough, right? I actually love what Kentucky's doing right now in the portal and, and what they're doing to kind of build that program. Your big difference here is obviously just going to be the fact that none of those guys can play right now. And none of those guys are going to play on your team right now. I, I don't think that they're the better team. Clemson, obviously... I think better overall, um, better on defense by a large margin. I don't think Kentucky's going to score very many points in this one. And, and you know, even if Clemson's not dynamic enough on offense, I still don't think Kentucky's going to score hardly anything in this game. So, yeah, give me Clemson and then watch these two programs over the next couple of years go different directions. Tony, the Tigers, Sun Bowl, another battle of ranked teams. You've got number 19, Oregon State, number 16, Notre Dame. Both teams have a transfer list an injury list, and in Oregon State's case, an arrest list, as long as my arm. Uh, Oregon State watched everybody go to East Lansing. At least the coaching staff did. Talent is now being dispersed across the country. Players going from coast to coast to visit new programs. For Notre Dame, it's also a large number of transfers out. Sam Hartman has opted out of the bowl game. He'll prepare for his NFL future. Trey, when you've got two teams that are kind of ripped down to the studs, which foundation do you trust more? I think I lean Notre Dame just because they still have the coaching staff in place and they kind of have the culture still running. I don't know how the quarterback position is going to go for Notre Dame. I don't know that the offense is going to be able to move the ball very well, but um, I think the talent advantage and just, you know, the general culture and cohesion is going to be favoring Notre Dame in this one. So I'm taking the fighting Irish 24 to 27 confidence points. They've still got a lot of weapons and a really solid defense that can uh, shut Oregon state down, especially without DJU and uh, maybe a lack of a vertical passing attack. Uh, I'm going to lean slightly the other direction. I think Oregon state probably ends up winning this one. And, and I'll give you this reason why it's not the coaching staff. Obviously they lost the coaching staff. But I just don't think that Notre Dame really wants to play in this game. They don't really have any of their talent either. And when I look at some of the young players on Oregon State's roster, I'm thinking that a lot of those guys who are going to end up being on this team for the next couple of years really want to win this game because they realize this will probably be the biggest game they play in for their entire college career, given the fact that they got left behind and, and you know, they're going to be playing a bunch of, you know, kind of lower competition in the Mountain West and then qualifying for a, you know, probably not very good bowl game. So, you know, I I think a lot of those younger players are going to kind of, there might be a tone of desperation to it, realizing this is kind of our last gasp as a power five team. So 
not for the older players, not for the guys that are transferring out, which I'll, most of those guys probably have already left, but for anybody still left on that team who really wants to to build something and keep something going there, I think they're going to play this one with a lot of heart. Bingo Branson is going to be the starting quarterback for Oregon State. You may remember his name from last year when he started the final eight games of the Beavers season at quarterback. So at least an advantage there when it comes to Oregon State's chances. My issue is I don't know that there's enough around him. Notre Dame has a lot of names in the transfer portal, but the starting defense largely intact. I think this is a very close game, a very low scoring game. I'm going to roll with the Fighting Irish as well. Uh, Garrett, we've got an interesting one in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. We've got Memphis, who scores a lot of points, and Iowa State, who does not allow a lot of points, nor do they do a lot of scoring themselves. But the Cyclones are eight-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, this one you can find. It's actually a home game for Memphis. They're playing in the Liberty Bowl. Um, and I'm concerned a little bit about Iowa State's ability to keep up with Memphis if they can score at will. I don't know if Memphis will be able to move the ball that effectively, though. I think that they will. I think that they're going to move the football. I'd actually pick Memphis to win this game just slightly uh, because I believe in Seth Hennigan. He's a really, really good quarterback. He's shown that he can throw the ball extremely well. He's played against good defenses and still found ways to show out. And they have playmakers across the field. I mean, they have playmakers up and down this roster. And I think that Memphis, you know, for, you know, the fact that they play in a G5 conference is one of the better teams out of that G5 level. And so, yeah, I'm going to take them to beat Iowa State just slightly. And it's pretty much because I don't think Iowa State can keep up. They haven't shown a real propensity to score a lot of points, haven't shown that they can do it. Yeah, they can play great defense and maybe they shut it down a little bit. But I just don't think over the course of four quarters, they'll be able to keep Memphis down long enough to catch up with the scoring. So I'm going Memphis in this one. And, and you know, it, it might be a little controversial, you know, they're the, you know, plus eight and a half in this situation, but I still think Memphis will win this one. You guys just decided to skip Farmageddon this year, apparently where the clones put up 42 points on that. In a vaunted Kansas State. No, come on in a blizzard. So, you know, maybe there needs to be snowstorm in Memphis to get you guys on board. But I know. Clones are going to win this game uh, relatively easily, I think, with defense. Uh, Memphis has not beaten a team with a winning record that didn't fire their coach this year. So um, <laughs> I I don't think that Memphis is going to be able to keep up talent-wise. They're a great team in the American, but we've seen what happens when they run into teams that you know have equal or better talent than them. They typically haven't done well this year. So, um, great season for the Tigers. I think they ended with a loss to Iowa State. I'm putting 22 to 25 confidence points. Uh, Trey just ran like an Excel filter to uh, to bring you that last note. Um, I'm Elias go Sports with- Bureau, shout out. That's all right. I'm going to go with Memphis. Uh, I, I feel like this is more of a heart pick than it is a, a gut pick. Iowa State's offense wasn't quite as bad as we expected it to be in their defense while it wasn't as elite as maybe it has been in seasons past, they were still only giving up about 21 points a game. Still, I think there is something to Seth Hennigan maybe being able to throw against a depleted Iowa State. Secondary, we'll see what TJ Tampa decides to do as of recording this. He has not opted out of the bowl game, but uh, that is still obviously on the table for someone that has an NFL future like him. 
Now, uh, we are going to skip the New Year's Six Bowl games for this preview. We will have our own preview. It's separate deal for each of the New Year's Six games as well as the college football playoff. I've got Sam Kahn Jr. from The Athletic confirmed to talk. Playoffs coming up, just so you stay tuned for that. Uh, but in case you're watching this or listening back through it, you go, wait, where's the Cotton Bowl? That would be next. We're skipping New Year's Six Bowl games. Uh, head on over to our YouTube channel or uh, just pay attention to the podcast feed. We'll have those videos and uh, and podcasts out relatively soon. But guys, I take you to the Trans Perfect Music City Bowl on Saturday, December the 30th, Auburn and Maryland. The Tigers are favored here. Uh, they didn't score a lot of points uh, outside of the Iron Bowl this season. Feels like maybe the betting line might be a reaction to Auburn getting up to try and spoil Alabama's season. I think so. Um, you know, I wrote in our preview article for this one, this just feels like a matchup where these two teams are made for each other, right? Like both of them have higher aspirations, kind of disappointing seasons. Neither one of them really had the horses to keep up with their division this year and really tough divisions. So they get to play a game against each other in Nas- Nashville on New Year's week, New Year's weekend. So, um, you know, Auburn has a dynamic rushing attack. Maryland has an awesome passing attack. Neither one of these offenses is really built to exploit the defensive deficiencies on the other side. Maryland struggles to uh, stop the pass, but is good against the run. Auburn struggles against uh, the run, but is good against the pass. So uh, we'll see, you know, which which one of those sides gives. I'm going to trust Talia more than I trust Peyton Thorne. Um, and I'm going to take Maryland to win this game. Seven to nine confidence points, so not very confident, but I'll take the Terps. Yeah, man. One more ride with my Turtles for the year. Uh, I only get this, you know, one more time. And I am going to rock with the now official, you know, Big Ten all-time passing leader, Antalya Tagovailo, a very good quarterback here. So um, we're going to rock with him. He's going to add to that number, obviously, in the bowl game. And I, I think it's going to be a good – it's going to be a good game for Maryland. I, I just don't trust Auburn to score that they can run the football, but that's kind of all that they can do. And that's been very up and down depending on, you know, what's going to end up happening. Um, and, and, and I just, I don't think that they're going to be able to pull it off against Maryland. So um, yeah, give me, give me Maryland in this one. And I'd put, I'd put more confidence on it than Trey, but you know, again, it's my turtles. So I'm going to, I'm going to rock with them. If, if you guys can point me to the, meaningful game that maryland's won in the last three four five years they're undefeated in bowl games there you go loxley has not lost a bowl game that's checkmate all right fair fair that's that's meaningful that's a decent retort i'm gonna take auburn here i think this is gonna be big boy football i think it's gonna be ugly i think it's gonna be grimy and i think it's gonna be decided on the ground Give me the uh, the SEC trenches to win this one over the Terps. Um, so that's the Music City Bowl. We go now, if I scroll down, to the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. Now listen, uh, I'm excited for this matchup because I think it's two fun teams. I could not care less about the brand sponsoring it, nor do I take any of their content seriously. So um, I'm going to take Toledo in this game. I, I love that Craig Bowl is, is um, retiring and going out on top after a tremendous season. I would kind of love for Wyoming to win and send him off into the sunset, but I think Toledo is, is too much offensively. 
Yeah, Tucker Gleason going to be getting the start for the Rockets. Daquan Finn, electric dual threat quarterback, is in the transfer portal. I think it's going to be the Penny Boone show, though. 1,400 yards rushing, 15 touchdowns for the Rocket running back. They've got a stingy defense as well. I think that's going to be enough to put them over the top. I'm taking Toledo, 13 to 15 confidence points. Yeah, I'm with the train. Max Supremacy, we're going Toledo here, and, and we're going to let them keep rocking it. Really, really great year for them. Just fell short of the MAC championship. Um, and, and you know, not the quarterback, you know, in this game. But at the same time, it's still a really good team. You don't get here on just a quarterback. Turns out just one quarterback doesn't make a team. So, um, I, I don't know if that's a hot take for maybe certain people in the in the playoff committee to think about. But, you know, that's it's something that we should all think about. So, no quarterback here for Toledo. Uh, but they're still going to win this game pretty handily. The ReliQuest Bowl could get out of hand, and it could get out of hand in a hurry. We've got Wisconsin number 13, LSU. The Tigers are 10-point favorites. Uh, listen, uh, Jaden Daniels is not going to play in this game. I know he hasn't officially announced, but there, there's n- no way, right, that he, he plays a meaningless bowl, a truly meaningless bowl game. I Yeah, I mean, we got to wait for the official announcement. It would be the first time a Heisman Trophy winner has ever not played in a bowl game, so... Well, typically the Heisman Trophy winner plays in a meaningful bowl game. That's true, but I mean, you know. No shade at ReliaQuest. I'm just, you know, come on. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you guys. I, I don't think he will play. But even if he doesn't, Garrett Nussmeyer <laughs> is going to do yeah. bad, bad things to this Wisconsin defense. Who did LSU play in the bowl game last year? when They, they played the Purdue points? Boilermakers in the Citrus right. Bowl last year, and they won that game 63-7. to That's right. They scored a billion points. They had all kinds Ooh. of weird celebrations with the the mascot and because it was the citrus or it was the cheese at citrus bowl right Didn't yes it, it got yeah. very uncomfortable with the, with the giant cheese that was running yes around. yes yes. they, they got did. a little too friendly with him yes they did uh lsu wins this one big trey are you going all in on the tigers here i'm going all in on the tigers all your confidence points doesn't matter who's playing quarterback i think malik neighbors has actually said he is playing in this game he feels oh. like he wants to, um, you know, obviously that can change between now and New Year's Day. But as of right now, he said that he is playing in this game. Garrett Nussmeyer is a fantastic, very talented quarterback. He's looked great when he's been in. And Wisconsin is going to struggle to field the team in this one. They are bleeding players. Braylon Allen, their best player at the running back position, has opted out preparing for the draft. They've got a bevy of injuries. All in on LSU. Put all your confidence points on them. If Malik Neighbors plays in this game, I don't care who the quarterback is. He probably will outgain Wisconsin's offense. I, I feel extremely confident in that because I just I think he's going to have a lot of those. And he's wide open again, another seventy yard touchdown, and he'll just kind of show out and do his thing, and you know, go get drafted day one and, and have a lot of fun. So, fair fair point. Probably an accurate prediction. Tigers roll in this one. The last one, gentlemen. The, the cheese citrus bowl, number 17, Iowa at number 21, Tennessee. The Vols are tw- uh, not 20 point favorites. They're eight and a half point favorites. Noon ABC Camping World Stadium. Iowa's 10 and three. Tennessee is eight and four. Um, Iowa got shut out in the Big Ten championship game. That offense sure did. did not go burr. Um, and listen, Tennessee does probably not have as good of a defense as Michigan, but they've also got one that's better than I feel like a lot of people realize, especially when it comes to the pass rush. Iowa's offense is what it is. Hopefully 
going forward. It can evolve uh, and it can take on a new life of its own. But today is not that day. And I think Tennessee wins a maybe a 10 nothing game. I think this could be this could be the lowest scoring bowl game of the entire slate. Um, but I have no confidence in Iowa to score. Here's a fun stat that I found for this one in researching. Uh, Iowa, st- Iowa has scored more than 28 total points just once in their last 25 matchups with Ooh. Power 5 competition. Oh. In the Josh Heupel era, Tennessee is undefeated when they've held their opponents under 28 points. Do we think Iowa gets to 28, guys? There's no, no way they hit 28. Well, go Rocky Top, baby. Go Vols. 27 to 29 confidence points in this one. But on a serious note, like the way that you beat Tennessee is with speed. You have to make the pay for rushing the passer the way that they do. I would not characterize this offense, Iowa offense with speed. So I think Tennessee is going to have a field day getting to the quarterback. Them corn fed boys. <laughs> I was going to say, are there any positive adjectives you can use for the Iowa offense? Because their best think- offense is their punt returner that got hurt. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And he's a defender, anyways. Um, yeah, so yeah, it, it's just it's uh, yeah. I'll own the graphic. I'm the one who typed this out. Literally allergic to scoring on offense for Iowa. They they yep. can't do it. You know, they they get close to the end zone. They smell the red zone, and they just start to puff up. And they need the the shot straight to the thigh. So uh, yeah, don't don't give me Iowa in this one. Maybe a couple of defensive scores, uh, but no, I'm begging for like a five to three final somehow. I'm just begging for a weird, like, I, I want to know the over-under in this one, and I'll bet the under one more time just for the season, right? Let just, it ride, baby. Just let the, let the under ride one more time. I just, uh, man. I, I'm excited 30- to see what they do in the offseason to address their offense. I, I'll put it that way. I, that will be my number one priority for offseason news is what does Iowa do to address their offense? Are they going to do anything? Do they get any transfers? Who will take the bait? I'm just really excited. Hey, Garrett, I got some bad news for you. I, I, I've been to the future. <laughs> oh, it's not happening. It's not, not happening. Oh, no. Bear is coming back for another season, right? So they're, they're oh, mighty, mighty he, he, was he was there at the remember that streak I said their last 25 games. I'm saying they might not be in the market for a quarterback. So, like, they might be holding, <laughs> oh. they might be holding themselves hostage. We'll we'll see. They should um, be. They right. should be in the market for an everything on offense. The uh, the over under for that game, by the way, is thirty six and a half. So not a not a chance in my mind that the over cashes unless Tennessee just one more time. Line. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the mega bowl mania. Mega cast. Uh, all bowl games aside from the near six bowl games, previewed, ranked, confidence points. Good luck on your confidence pools, on your pickums. Let us know how they go at 3 Tech Pod, Instagram, on Twitter. You can write in the show as well, 3 Tech Pod at gmail.com. Thank you for the continued subscriptions on Twitter, on the, the podcast, on YouTube as well. We really do appreciate it and we plan to keep the content rolling all throughout the playoff season into the off season as well for Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney. I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for hanging out until next time. So long, everybody. Gracious. Yep. How about that?